Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am AJ Hayfley alongside Nathan Rudolph, as is becoming the norm around here and uh, hopefully will be the norm moving forward. Rudo. Development camp finished up today. There's still the 3v3 game tonight. We are not going to get into who looked good in drills for a third straight day, but rather update our top 10 prospect lists and talk about after the draft, how deep is the is the system? How much did it change? Because uh, I remember when you and I did this list uh, before the draft last month, it was pretty top heavy and was really, really needing some depth. I think that that we can safely say that there's a couple of guys that we added from this draft class into this list. Yeah, I, I think it definitely helped flesh us out. Uh, last time you get into that 8, 9, 10 range and you're feeling a little shaky about it. But yeah, now it seems pretty solid all the way down through 10. You def- I definitely, as I was making my list, I actually had unfortunate cuts at 10. Like yeah. I was like, oh, this is now more like... Instead of feeling like this is six or seven deep where I'm comfortable, it's more like 11 or 12 deep now. Yeah, I, I agree. There is at least one cut that I was I was sad to have to make. Yeah, then interesting, uh, interesting draft class because not, you know, with, with the high picks that they have, you have five picks in the top 100 there. You're, I, I expected more. Honestly, I thought that I would probably find a way to put four, at least four guys into this new top 10. Um, But because they went with such an unknown, uh, I was not comfortable putting uh, either of their third rounders in in here. Yeah, I agree. They, based off of the choices they made in the third rounds, just can't put them in the top 10 yet. They have to prove something. I will say I had Bocage just on the outside at twelve. Yeah, I, he's not far out of mine either. I agree. 
Yeah, he was. That was a one one good year, like a, a good year in the queue. Uh, could easily jump him into my top ten. Like it, he, it would not take much to get him there. Uh, Steinberg is is more of a wait and see, just because he is such an unknown uh, for us. Let's just go ahead. I don't think there's going to be any argument from us at the top here. I know you and I are going to differ pretty quickly, but I think number one, it's safe to say it's going to be Bowen Byram. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really that close either. And for added context, uh, we are considering Kale McCarr graduated already. Uh, we're not looking at any of the guys like AJ Greer is not on this list. Logan O'Connor is not involved in this um, because they are older uh, and have been in, you know, have have played in Greer's case. He's played a number of NHL games. So we we are viewing those guys as graduated for anybody. It's like, why isn't Kale McCarr here? Uh, I know he's only got the 10 games, but he's not he's not a prospect anymore. He's an NHLer. Yeah, for sure. With with Byram, he is the top prospect. Now he may not he may also graduate very quickly, but we don't know that for sure. We're just kind of hanging around. Um Byram, top clean, like top prospect, easy running away. This this is an easy one. Yeah. Slam dunk number one. If he plays this year, then he gets off the list a little faster, is all I guess. Yeah, it's it would be cool just like for the depth of the pipeline if he maybe had another year on here. Yeah, right. Where they could add another first round pick and you're just kind of like, yes. Yeah, then you'd be getting into some silly territory there. Yeah, I would say on my top 10 list, I there are two guys that I think could realistically graduate off of it this year. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Two and a half, maybe. Is your half Malosh? Yeah. Okay. I would agree. Um, okay. Let's let's get on to it then. Bowen Byram, number one. He's a franchise defenseman. This is this is an easy one. I mean, I don't really know what to say. Um if he's not your number one prospect without Kale McCarr being included on the list, then I don't know what we're talking about yeah, here. You don't take him at fourth overall if he's not that, right? <laughs> right. It, it's either that or like you have an unbelievable system. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, if, if you looked around the NHL, I think the only systems that you could maybe say he wouldn't be the top prospect in uh, would probably be New Jersey and the Rangers. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> like arguably Chicago, like depending on how you felt about doc, like who knows? Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, number two, uh, who you got? I have new hook here. Really? Okay. I do. Yeah. Why so high? The ceiling, man. It's the ceiling is way up there. And I'm pretty sure you have cowed it too, right? I do. And I have him at three and it, it was a tough decision to split these two up, but, at the end of the day, seeing Newhook as a guy that could be that scoring 2C for the Avs was just a little too tantalizing for me. That mm-hmm. skating ability that he has to fit right in. I just can't pass it up. I, I think it's exactly what the Avs need and want. And Cout will be a good and solid NHLer. Probably will not be on this list by the end of next season. And he'll be good for the Avs too, but just not as good as Newhook. 
New Hook has that ex- legitimate explosive, and I've said before that I get major uh, Dylan Larkin vibes off of him. Yeah. If he lives up to that, um, yeah, you, you got it. Like, he ends, he would pass up Martin Cout, I think. But for right now, there's a lot of things to consider, and one of those things that I always uh, consider is proximity to the NHL because yeah. right now New Hook is – just drafted a long way away. Yep. I am. I'm. I'm thinking that you know, Cout, a solid prospect in his own right, and a likely NHL player, and one who could be on the roster this next season. Yeah. So that's where I have him. Just just ahead. I agree. The potential isn't as high as New Hook, but he's a lot closer to f- fulfilling his potential than New Hook is. And that's why I have Cout ahead of New Hook today. Yeah, I think that's 100% defensible there. Uh, I wouldn't try and argue with you. If, if you weight that NHL readiness a little bit more, then I think it's pretty easy to put Cout at two. Yeah, and and having those options, though, is amazing, right? Yeah, like, of course. That we're even, we're even splitting hairs like that is like, oh, two and three and... and what are I, I do want to get into this a little bit because we haven't talked about it much, but what are your expectations for New Hook at, at Boston College in year one? I just want to see a, a solid player out of him. It is going to be a big transition for him. If he can go out and be a point per game player, then I would be ecstatic about it. But I just want him to get enough opportunity to to get chances in their top six there, play on the power play, things like that. Put up a good season, doesn't have to blow me away, and then the year I would really be looking for him is his second year at Boston College to start killing. So it's just a so kind of a Sampo Ranta like solid freshman year where you're like, okay, he made the transition, he showed enough skill that he can he can handle it, and now you're just hoping he puts it all together in year two. Yeah, I mean, I want him to have a better year than Ranta did in his freshman year. I think by you don't want a guy getting healthy scratched. Yeah, but conceptually, yes, I'm not expecting him to light the world on fire, and if he does, then that's a bonus. So I, you know, uh, Joel Farabee last year was a guy that I did not. Yeah, he wasn't my favorite either. I I didn't love him as a prospect. I didn't expect a lot out of him at college, and then he showed up. And just got better and better and better and better. And ended up justifying signing after one year. Is there is there a world where you could see Alex Newhook signing after just one season? Yeah, I think there is. It's There's a lot of factors. It's going to depend on what the Evs do in free agency, for one. But I'm not going to completely discount it. Like I said, if he goes out and is a point-per-game player, then if you're going to sign him, sign him. Why not? Hmm. Yeah. Do you think the the Tyson Jost Kale McCart now again like all players are are different, but do you think that the the divergent paths that Jost and McCarr have been on, and the the readiness that they showed when they each got to the NHL, would encourage them? To maybe uh, exercise more patience with New Hook, regardless of the kind of season he has, maybe a little. I I think they might be 
more aware of looking for that polish in a player's game. And even then, I don't think they'll be too worried about it with Newhook because of that upside he has. And the Avs, some of the problem they've had with Jost is they have struggled to find a role for him on the team consistently. And I don't think they'll have that problem with Newhook. I think it's pretty easy to see what he is and what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. If and we don't know what the Avs are doing this summer yet, you know, free yeah. agency is still a couple of days away. The trade market is going to be crazy. They literally might be in the middle of something right now as we're mid show here. Um, would you, if they, they, let me see, how do I want to word this? Would you be hesitant to sign New Hook if they go out and they get an established two C? Would you give them the second? Would you give them the second year just to? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I'd be hesitant, but I would definitely lean towards the side of being more patient because you don't need him if you have a solid two okay. C already. There's giving him a second year isn't going to hurt you at all, right? Yeah, the second year, the second year certainly isn't going to hurt him in any way. Right. I just I just wondered and we don't and I think that part of the story here uh one of the big pieces and the reason I'm taking the extra time on New Hook is because I think his timeline is one of the big keys to how Colorado wants to shape their summer. Yeah, I I think that's that's a fair assessment because you you would like a spot for him to open up when he's ready, so I would project him as that being two years away, but if they see it as one, then that could change things. Well, and if he goes out and he has a point per game freshman season, like Tyson Jost did, um, do you think that the Avs just traded for Burkowski, by the way, they did it officially. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's funny that, um okay now my train of thought is completely derailed i've <laughs> yeah. got i've got to get back on this uh with new hook and if he has the kind of year that tyson jost had the point per game looked really good looked like he was ready uh but there were there were arguments to be made for him going back does he does he have to have a no doubt season in order to sign him, or could he have a Jostian season where it was a very good freshman year but not dominant? I'd be okay with it being a being a Jost type year, but again, it depends on situation. If if they have a two C and he hasn't absolutely proven it, just send him back. It's easier. Okay. I think that's, I think that's fair. So let's move on from New Hook. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I'm never getting to the gym again. This is ridiculous. Um, let's let's go ahead and wrap up our first segment. Uh, we've got the Burakovsky, Andre Burakovsky trade is literally happening as we're recording this. And... Uh, We've gonna we're gonna just dump out of this because I'm clearly distracted and this is going really poorly. So, 
We're going to take a break here. Uh, we're going to take a break here, and we are going to reset, come back on the other side, get to uh, the, less to the, the rest of our top ten prospects, and probably use the third segment to talk about Andre Burkowski. Yep. So this is going to speed up quite a bit. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We'll be right back. Lost in all that confusion there uh, at the end of the first segment. I forgot to tell you guys about Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's The Green Solution. Welcome back in. Second segment here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Uh, we can't exactly stop in the middle of our top 10 prospect lists updated and all that, so we are just going to burn through them pretty quickly here and get to the Burakovsky news uh, just as an update. Andre Burakovsky traded from the Capitals to the Avalanche in exchange for pending UFA Scott Kosmichuk and 2020 draft picks in the second and third round. The third rounder is the third rounder they acquired from Arizona for Carl Soderberg. So, Andre Burakovsky is an av. We will talk about that next segment. Um, unfortunately, we'd already started rocking and rolling in one direction. So, that's the direction we're going to continue on. Rudo, we had the same top three, just in different orders of Byram, uh, Newhook, and Kout. Let's yep. go ahead and get to our four through tens. We're going to have to do these a little bit quicker because yeah. we've got big news of the day to get to, which we were not expecting. So, yep. number four, who you got? Shane Bowers. Same Z's. Shane yep. Bowers, um, not the highest upside guy, but a guy that you definitely expect to be a pro for you. A likely 3C three, three for the Avalanche down the road. Maybe a 4C if things really don't work out. But a guy that I absolutely think could. He could probably play in the NHL today. Uh, just doesn't necessarily need to. With the Avs uh, at that position already having so many young guys there. And with Bowers just coming into pro hockey. Some AHL seasoning uh, I think is fair for him. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't have the upside, but he's a super polished player. He will almost certainly be an NHLer not too long from now, and that's something that is always good to have. I always kind of compare him to Lars Eller yeah. as a, a first-round guy that when you say, oh, first-round pick, you expect more out of, but will fill a valuable role for a competitive team down the road in his career. For sure. Guys on that on ELCs are pretty valuable. Uh, so we each have the same guy at four. Who you got at five? Connor Timmons. Okay, well, now our lists are looking very similar. <laughs> uh, I also have Timmons at five. Honestly, I probably would have had Malosh and Hellison ahead of Timmons, uh, but because I thought he looked totally healthy at dev camp this week and he looked really solid, um, it kind of it kind of assured me about the, the question about his health. Because if if he hadn't played and he hadn't been healthy and he hadn't been allowed on the ice and all these other things, and it was still a major question mark whether he would have played or not, that would have tanked some of his value in my eyes. It did not. He looks good to go to me. I'm back on the Connor Timmons' dope train, so I have him at five. Yeah, 
I pretty much agree with you. He looked fully healthy to me as well, and and he still is a very talented hockey player. Uh, if he wasn't healthy, you're probably having a conversation of should he even be in the top 10. But the fact that he is means now he gets the chance to prove it at the pro level. Yeah. Um, he did really look good this week. Yeah. I, I really did like... Uh, I was so encouraged by what I saw out of him that it it really made me much much more comfortable uh, on when when writing out this list, putting him in there. I actually had him ahead of Bowers at first, but um, ultimately I was like, "Ooh, I just yeah, he still got something to prove." Yeah, yeah. A year off is I I couldn't I couldn't be that confident based on some dev camp. Uh, number six, I have Drew Hellison here. I have Malosh. So I I struggled with this one, um, and I think that I dinged Malosh for something that's totally out of his control in that there are so many bodies now in front of him, including Byram and Timmons, yeah. that I don't know that he'll ever really get a chance in this organization uh, at this point. I just don't know. It would require, you know, with, with Cole and John, I, hey, if they go out and they trade Nikita Zadorov and... Uh, find a taker for Tyson Berry, then all of a sudden you're talking about something totally different. Yeah. But that would require a lot of moving and shaking to, to open up the spots that they continue to fill with guys like Kevin Connaughton. Yeah. It, it's definitely been an uphill battle for him with the Evs bringing in so many guys like that. But I do still think there's NHL upside in that player. And I do think he's a lot closer to the NHL than certainly a, a Hellison is. So I kind of leaned on that to put him this up high up the list. And uh, again, with Hellison, I the questions about his upside are still a little bit too much for me to have him quite this high. And that's I'll I just I'll disagree, um, just flat out. I think that um, Hellison's got all the tools to be a really solid middle pairing defender in the NHL, which is right where I have both Timmons and Malosh, and that's why I have them grouped together. Um, that I, that I dinged Malosh for something out of his control is unfair, but I think Hellison has very similar upside to both of those guys. Uh, and he's the shiny, he's the new shiny and that sucks for Malosh on my list. Yeah. And and that's fair. And even if Malosh can't control it, it's just reality. Yeah. And, and when I, you know, I, I gave Cout the bump over new hook for proximity to the NHL Malosh should theoretically get that because he's much closer to the NHL than Drew Hellison is, but I'm not giving I'm not giving him that because there are so many bodies in front of him that I think it would take it's going to take a lot in order for Malosh to get his shot and through no fault of his own he just sort of keeps working his way down my top 10 list. Yeah, it's unfortunate but it happens. It's you know, it's prospects get get caught up in the machine and Guys that need a little bit more time, and I certainly think that Malosh is not like ready for a full-time NHL role. Uh, I think that he deserves call-up, uh, you know, a call-up, and start getting him at the very least into some NHL practices and getting him looks in those things. But I, I don't, I do think that he he could use a little bit more time. My viewings on him have always been inconsistent. There are some games where I love him, and some games where I just honestly, I don't see a whole lot out of him. And 
you know, I, I do really like him as a prospect, and I definitely think he fills a niche that the Avalanche could use. Uh, and down the road, if the Avs do, you know, if Nikita Zadorov is not a long-term guy for the Avs, then Malosh's value would go up quite a bit as a guy that does bring a physical edge that these other guys don't necessarily. Hellison does, but Timmons certainly doesn't. Byram is a really good defender, but not that way. Yeah, I mean, I think Byram can do it a little bit, but not certainly not to the level that, that those two can. And I... I would really like to see him get NHL games because you never know. We saw what happened with Graves once he got into the NHL. He looked way better than he ever did in the AHL. And I think that could be something that helps Malash as well. But even if it's out of his control, if he doesn't get the opportunity, he doesn't get it. And it is what it is. So I have uh, Malash at seven, uh, behind Hallison at six. Where, Where do you have seven? I have a, at seven uh, Kovalenko. Okay. Uh, I actually had Hellison all the way down at 10. Okay. Just because I think he's at least two years out, and I really want to see that offensive upside a little bit more in the NCAA before I move him up the list, but he, he certainly has potential to move up the list. Okay. Um, I, I can, I can, yeah, that's all that's fair. Yeah, with Kovalenko, I think I had him at five on our old one. So he basically just got knocked down a bit by new hook and Cout or new hook and Byram. And he's still the exact same thing he was before where he has experience playing in the KHL. He's a really quality forward, does all the good things you want to see out of a third liner type player. So I haven't really changed my outlook on him at all. I have Kovalenko at eight. So uh, not a major disagreement there. Just a, a minor, you know, shuffling. Yeah. Um, was def- I'm definitely disappointed we did not see him at camp this week. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Could have helped himself maybe a little bit. Yeah, and it seemed like he was never physically here, but he had gear in his locker. <laughs> they gave him a locker. They assigned him a locker, and there was gear in it the in every day after practice. So I'm not... That's weird if he's not here. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a little weird. Like, why would you go through the process of giving him, assigning him a locker and all of that with, if he's not physically here? I, I thought that was, that was strange. I don't really know what to make of that. So, uh, whatever he, he wasn't on the ice. Um, so that's, uh, the disappointment, but it doesn't ultimately like, it doesn't have a drastic effect on him as a prospect that you don't play at dev camp. Uh, he's certainly one of uh, one of their better late round picks in the last few years, and a guy that we're all very excited about uh, as a as a teenager getting a regular role in the KHL. It's hard to do, so I'd like to see that role increase. I'd like to see the production increase. I'd like to see all of that get better, and him eventually make his way on over to North America pretty soon. Yeah. So I have Kovalenko at eight. So, um, you know, that's where, where do you have eight? Eight is Nick Henry for me. Okay. And why, why Henry at eight above some of these other guys? Um, I, it might be a little bit of dreaming on him. Um, we haven't seen a ton of him at the pro level, but I really like his upside and his play style again, much like Kovalenko for, for a third liner type. And compared to some of the other players that he will be competing for a spot like that, I think he has more offensive ability in his game, particularly his goal-scoring ability. 
I put him, I have him at nine on mine. Um, I've got him as a guy that works really, really hard. And I feel comfortable about him maxing out his potential because he's just maniacal in his effort. And you love guys like that. And those guys almost always find their way to their ceiling in some fashion. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly fair to say. Um, I think on the last episode we talked about how it was it was Henry and Ty Lewis right next to each other, and unfortunately Ty Lewis didn't make my list, but that just shows yeah. how I have Henry at eight and Ty Lewis right behind him. But there's a bunch of guys right at this level that kind of even managed to slip in between them. Yeah, I have Ty. I had Ty Lewis at thirteen, just behind um, Bocage and Cam Morrison at eleven. Right, but. So you can so, see there's a bunch of guys in yeah. that range. Well, and the, the difference, I think after Kovalenko, because I have Kovalenko at eight, but after Kovalenko, there's a there's a, a gap for me where I would say Byram is by himself, and then I would have Kout, Newhook, uh, Bowers, and Timmons all kind of separated a little bit. Yeah. Just a fair. little bit. And then I would have, I have Hellison, Malosh, and Kovalenko kind of in the mini tier of their own. And then... Um, and then you start got, getting I, into depth forwards. Exactly, and it's a huge glut of these forwards. Where there's there's like seven of these guys that I've got Nick Henry at nine, and I could have a, you know I'll have somebody else. Uh, you know I'll have Matthew Steinberg at fourteen, and the the gap actually between them I don't feel is major. So it's 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 interesting when we're doing these lists. It's just interesting context. Yeah. Uh, so I have. Uh, I had Henry at nine. Yep. Who'd you have at seven? Malosh. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I have Hellison yeah. way down the list. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have Henry at nine. At ten, I have Sample Ranta. Yeah, I have him at nine. So there you go. Same general range. Uh, there probably is a bit of recency bias with Ranta because he just killed it every single day of this dev camp. But at the same time, that shows off the the physical abilities of the kid are absolutely top notch. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it looks it's it's a great reminder uh, that that physically this kid is really tantalizing as a prospect. Yeah, it- you you worry about you know him putting it together. Uh, he did have kind of an interesting freshman year. He had a really hot start and then cooled off significantly, ended up getting healthy scratch during the season, responded to that healthy scratch with a really strong finish. So that's that's sweet, but um, definitely needs to put together a much more consistent second season. Yeah, it he has to show not only more consistency, but more thinking ability on the ice and that can be hard to come by sometimes, but if he gets it to even passable levels, his skill can do a lot of work for him. Yeah. Uh, okay. So to run down my top 10 again, I had Byram, Cout, Newhook, Bowers, Timmons, Hellison, Malosh, Kovalenko, Henry, and Ranta. Yep. Your top 10, sir. Byram, Newhook, Count, Bowers, Timmons, Malosh, Kovalenko, Henry, Ranta, Hellison. Okay. So we 
have the same ten, same ten yeah. players. Just mixed up order a bit. Just from different orders. Okay. Uh, I do have my 11th was Cam Morrison just on the outside. The stagnation that we talked about on yesterday's show is the primary reason for that. Um, the, the He could do... the. This list is very subject to change depending on what kind of years these guys have. Uh, I certainly would not have been this high on Sampo Ranta a year ago. So, all about that. Yeah, certainly by November, depending on how these kids look at the start of their seasons, it could be a very, very different list. All right. Let's... uh... Get to the get to the trade talk. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, I am going to tell you guys uh, the Avs have been making game changing deals all week. Every time I try and uh, take some time for myself, and uh, instead, I'm gonna talk to you guys about some game changing coffee as I continue to try and find different ways to present this. Strava Craft is a CBD and rich coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Third and final segment here of today's BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I guess this week's podcast because this is Friday and we'll be taking the weekend off, barring something absolutely crazy. Um, Something minorly crazy uh, took place here already as the Avs uh, traded for Andre Burakovsky in the middle of the first segment, which caused me to melt down live on air. So (laughs) now that we've recovered a little bit, let's talk about the deal. Rudo, what are your initial thoughts on Burakovsky? Uh, I'm not sure how to feel about it. I think the Avs probably overpaid for him. Burakovsky, the player, is fine. I think he'll be a good player for the Avs, uh, regardless of of whether he hits his potential or not. He probably makes the Avs better, but the question is how much and at what cost. Uh, I think that's a fair question because if you're going to go out, why why burn second and third round picks when you could have just re-signed Colin Wilson? Exactly. It's <sighs> making this move. The Abs are betting on his ceiling being higher because he was buried in Washington a bit, playing in the bottom six, and supposedly his his numbers indicate that with more opportunity, he should be able to produce more. And at the same time, this is a guy who's never even hit the 40-point plateau. So if it comes through, he does reach his potential and fits in on your second line as a 50-ish point player, this is going to look like a fantastic trade. If it doesn't come through and he's a 30-point player on your third line, you're paying a guy upwards of $3 million for a job that Martin Kout could do for a third the price. So let's talk about that QO. Yeah. Because it's interesting. Yep. That's an expensive qualifying offer. It is uh, It is pretty expensive, yeah. What? If you're... Re- if 
So the qualifying offer they've retained his rights, but now this is just another RFA that they have to sign. Right. It's a deal still has to be worked out with him here. And I don't think they should pay him much more than his QO, if any more than his QO, to be honest. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know how they could pay him $3 million after multiple 20 point seasons. Yeah. And the fact that he has injury issues every year. Right. He's, he hasn't been healthy in three years and his points have been trending the wrong direction. Again, part of that is because he was buried in Washington, but points pay goals pay and he doesn't have them. Yeah. Three years in a row of 12 goals. Now in those three years, he's played 64, 56 and 76 games in each of those seasons. But if it was, if he was coming off of the 56 games when he had a 12 goal, 13 assist season, I'd feel a little bit better, but instead it's his healthiest season. He's coming off of at 76 games played 12 goals, 13 assists in two straight years, but he played 20 more games this last season. Um, Burkowski is like a nice player. This is an NHL player for sure. Like this is not a guy where you're like, Oh boy, he may not even belong in the league. You know, we're taking a chance on a real fringe guy here. This is like a, and then a, a proven NHL player, and at just 24 years old, you know, he's he's young. But not so young. Like, we talk about Comfer and Kerfoot like, hey, those guys are more or less who they are and who they're going to be. Burkowski is the same age. Yeah. Why are, why are the Avs expecting any kind of a leap from this kid? when they've already got kids of their own that they could be hoping for that similar leap from like, that's kind of the question, isn't it? And he does have a very good shot. He does have a big body. He does bring something the abs don't have there with a lot of, of physical skills. He's a very good skater as well. So maybe they see something in that sliding into their top six where he can, he can find a groove for himself there and, and be a shooter along someone like Kerfoot or something like that. Definitely great size, great skating combination, left wing, right wing versatility. He's played quite a bit of both. Yeah. So there are some fits here that you can right off the top. You can easily say, okay, this makes sense. From that standpoint, yes. From that standpoint, yes. But is this not just more of what they already had? Why why second and third for, especially with free agency as robust as it is at forward this year? Are are you telling me that they couldn't convince, and we we won't know this answer until Monday, but are you telling me that they don't feel confident that they can convince one of these guys who's a clearly better player than a clearly more productive player than Burakovsky that they can't convince any of those guys to come take their money. Yeah. It it seems like you could have gotten at least a player of this caliber without having to give up any assets in free agency. Could, could Martin Kaut not have done the exact same thing on the first year of an ELC instead of $3 million. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and that's my fear is that you've put yourself in a hard spot now. Either you're not able to get anyone better, and if your best addition from outside the organization in the offseason is Burakovsky, I don't think that's good enough. Or your second option is you do get someone better on top of this, 
And then, like you said, you've stacked another one of these guys into your lineup that you have to pay and isn't really providing you that next step of a player. He's just someone stuck in the mud like everyone else. The Avs under Joe Sackick have a lengthy history of making trades like this. They sure do. Um, you know, Colin Wilson, Derek Broussard, just in the last couple of years. Now, you know, Brad Stewart back in the day. And as much as everybody wants to blame Patrick Waugh for that, Joe Sackick did that. He's the GM. Yep. And now, um, here you have it. You know, Reto Barrett was traded for a second rounder. Now another second rounder and an extra third that they just acquired to give away a guy that had superior production. Now, I get all of the... I had no real issues with the Soderbergh deal. I understood it in a lot of ways. Uh, Moving moving on from a guy that was a short-timer for you, was only going to be here for the one more year, get something of value for him. Okay. And then you turn around, and it was... How are they going to proceed from here? We'll we'll help determine the Soderberg deal. Yeah. Well, they use that exact asset, add their own second rounder, a more valuable asset, right? And go and get a player who, while ten years younger than Carl Soderberg, is half as productive. Yeah, it's it's really hard for me to reconcile that value. Yes, he is younger. Yes, you're getting him on a somewhat cost controlled contracts for the next couple of years at least but Carl Soderbergh was a 50 point player last year and you got a third out of him and you're saying that this guy is worth Mm -hmm. so much more than Carl Soderbergh that it's a second and another player I know Scott Kosmachuk is basically worth nothing but it's really hard for me to say that that value lines up we've totally dismissed the upside of this deal in this discussion yeah I mean, looking at looking at Burakovsky's career, he was buried in Washington. He didn't play any power play time. And when you're talking about point production, power play is a big part of that. Yeah. Um, you look at him at even strength and you look at his shot charts and you look at the uh, the on ice effects that he's had. Very good defensively. Uh, a little bit just a smidge above league average offensively in terms of generating shots. Um. But not like dominant or anything, but a lot of the analytics are going to look very good for Burakovsky here. And that's, I think if we're looking for a reason to feel good about the deal, that's where it is, is that his rates have been good. Uh, He's, he has for years in Washington looked like a guy that simply needed opportunity that just needed more of a chance to succeed I haven't gone and looked into any of his line mate data. This literally just happened. So I haven't gotten a chance to do all that. That will get done here pretty soon. But I think the upside is they're hoping to sprinkle magic pixie dust on Andre Burakovsky's career and get a top six player out of him. And I think that's a big leap of faith that they've made. Right. Exactly. If I have to assume they are planning on playing him on power play too. If they're not, I have a lot of questions on why they would make this deal in the first place. Yeah. If he ends up, if he starts in the bottom six, I don't get this at all. Right. Exactly. You have to give him the opportunity here to, to prove that he can be what I assume they think he can be because you wouldn't go out and get him otherwise. (laughs) And hopefully he is, if he is and he puts up 
second line numbers for you, this trade, all of a sudden, maybe it isn't such a bad overpay. All of a sudden, you have a 24-year-old kid that fits right in with age with the rest of your core that you're going to be paying three and a quarter, three and a half million dollars, which is not cheap, but it's not expensive for a second liner. So, but yeah, but... Doing this real quick, just looking this up, Brett Connolly and Lars Eller were his uh, most common line mates this year. Okay. So that's a very, that they use that line quite defensively. Yeah. Um, offensive zone start percentage is, is low. Um, the majority of his zone starts are defensively. And that's okay. Like, Okay, so that's the role that he's kind of been sure. Um, but Brett Connolly played in that same role, and he's coming yeah. off a forty-point season. Right. It's it's a gamble that he will reach some more upside here, and I just am not convinced that it's one the Avs had to take, even if it does work out. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the with or without use here as well. Yeah. And everyone playing either better or worse without him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mixed actually. Uh, it's very mixed through his, uh, through various line mates. Cause he, he had a lot of, he had a lot of different line mates that he spent a, a decent chunk of time with. Yeah, so he like, kind of bounced around. Yeah, and Travis Boyd and Nick Dowd were his next co- most common line mates after Eller and Connolly. And I don't even know what a Travis Boyd is. Yeah, that's that's not a ton of talent, is it? <laughs> yeah, and like Nick Dowd is do that. Mm-mm, Nick Dowd not selling any tickets. <laughs> uh, and it's those guys, those lower six guys that he played with. Uh, they're all of their with or without use are worse. Uh, with Burkowski away from them. Burkowski was better with them. Yeah, right. He made them better. He made them better. So, I mean, that's that's hopeful. I still think him being a bona fide second-line scorer is a bit of a stretch. Well, you're talking about a guy that's scored 12 goals in the last three seasons. Yeah, exactly. It's And you look back a little bit further and you say, okay, he had a 17-goal season, but... It's been several years. This is also, if you consider quality of competition too there, he ain't never facing other teams' top stuff. They're always going to be on Ovi and Backstrom and Kuznetsov and those guys. Right. And those are also the guys he never got to play with. Yeah. I do I do think interesting here, um, his shooting percentage in his career is high. So he can clearly shoot. He's a 12.8% shooter. I do think he is a good shooter. And when you combine the fact that he can shoot pucks, because everybody in Washington, that was the first thing they said. He's a really good shooter. He can shoot pucks and he's got, he's six foot three and 205 pounds. This is a big kid, a big kid who can skate and who can shoot that. And just in that fits for Colorado very nicely. And with the strong underlying numbers, Okay, great. You sold me on. I'm I'm sold on giving him an opportunity here. Uh, I'm not gonna. I, he has to go out. He he has to go out and and 
put up a 40 plus point season for me to not care about the price because today I care about the price. Exactly. But that said, he goes out and proves it's worth then not a big deal, but they've got to do something else to help him. Yeah. And that's when you're getting into that conversation of, okay, well we just did our top 10 lists in the first part of the segment and we had six forwards in the top 10 and uh, Martin Kaut and Shane Bowers are both guys that we had in our top five that could reasonably be in the NHL in a year. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's going to get real tight for them. Right. Because you're trying to, you're trying to give Andre Burakovsky a chance to do something he hasn't done in his career. And even though he's been in the NHL now for five seasons, you're hoping year six is the magical elixir, but in order to maximize the opportunity for them to do that, they have to go out and get somebody else to help him. They have to go out and get a Ryan Dezingle or a Marcus Johansson or somebody Somebody that can help him because it's obvious that he's not going to do it all on his own. Right. I I agree there. I don't think he's the type of player at all that can drive a line. Uh, He's going to need someone that can carry pucks for him. He's going to need someone that can get pucks to him. And as I said at the start of this segment, the Avs need to make another move here. You can't come out of this free agency period and say, we traded for Andre Burakovsky and that's it. I don't think that's good enough. It's not remotely good enough. The contract, I think, will be interesting. I think it's weird that they traded for another RFA that they have to do a deal with here. Um, especially one whose qualifying offer was as expensive as it was relative to his production. RFAs are supposed to be on the cheaper side, and this is a $3.25 million qualifying offer that... For a guy that had production in the neighborhood of Matt Nieto and Matt Calvert last year. Right. And, you know, neither of those guys are even making $3 million, So Yeah. Matt Nieto had 23, had 23 points last season, 26 points the year before, and played fewer games than uh, Burakovsky in his 25 and 25. Yeah. And Matt Nieto is making... 1.4 million something like that right and and he's a guy 1. that 1.975 million on top of that yeah i do think burkowski could do that just given the defensive acumen that he's shown at 5v5 i do think he would be capable of that i'd be curious to see if they give him a look in that role but if a guy's never done it it's woo. and he's pretty much never done it <laughs> yeah right like it's you're you're taking a real swing there so, uh, I think it's odd. Yeah. It's an odd deal. I like this one on the surface. I like this one a lot less than the Soderberg deal. I agree. I, I think it's a, it's just too big of a risk that was <laughs> unnecessary. In that said, way. there's a lot more upside in this deal than there was in the Soderberg deal. Absolutely. It, if the risk works, you look like yeah. a genius. Yeah. I mean, flat out. He's got to stay healthy to yep. give himself a chance, though. Uh, he turns 25 in February. This is a roll of the dice here. Uh, I just, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Very, very iffy on this deal on the surface, uh, but we'll 
there is upside here. So we can, we, I, next week we'll, we'll really de- tell how I feel about a lot of this stuff. <laughs> because be if they go out and they get, get out a little bit more, yeah. Yeah. If they go out and they get Burakovsky some help and they all of a sudden you're playing on an interesting second line and he's like the weak link and he's like, okay, we got him the help that AJ said that we needed to. Uh, then, you know, I can't complain that they're trying to help him out. Yeah, right. If if on July 2nd, our top six looks like Lee, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Jost, Burakovsky, all of a sudden, that looks a little bit better. Yeah, you're at least talking yourself into some upside here. Right. All right. I think we've, uh, I think we've touched on it. This is uh, an initial know. reaction, at least. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll probably we'll definitely talk about this again at some point. Yeah. Uh, but for now, that's it. That's our thoughts on it. We'll get into this uh, into how Burakovsky fits when there's a more of a completed team around him to talk about. Because right now he just looks like a more expensive, younger version. Uh, the worst version of what they were getting out of Colin Wilson. So we'll, we'll see. It's an interesting deal. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. This is the BSN avalanche podcast presented by total beverage. We will see you guys on Monday, free agency day, expect chaos. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuro protection, neuro regeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.